0: Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I want to start off just welcoming everybody this uh, wonderful, sunny, cool, brisk Sunday morning. Last night I was uh, at the uh, church on 390 Industrial Parkway south in Aurora here. And uh, of course it's empty. It's in the middle of a... Uh, major renovation on the inside. So there's scaffolding and there's dust and there's, everything's in chaos. Uh, yeah, you don't want to see it the way it is. But uh, it has to look ugly before it looks pretty. And I was just spending some time in prayer there. And I was, I was thinking, you know, I've, this is, uh, never before have I seen, and I'm sure everybody who's listening and watching, have you been in a time where the churches, the buildings have been shut down like this? Uh, in our day, now, if you're listening from other parts of uh, different countries, yeah, you will have had some of you maybe have experienced that. But for us here in Canada, this is—we just not shut our buildings down, and and they've been shut down now effectively for over two months, for about ten weeks. Uh, who would guess that that would be taking place? Who would guess that we are still not at the end of that? And then when we come out of that what is this going to look like? It looks like that it will be a very gradual progression of coming back and meeting again. And I was thinking of, of all the things I miss, not being together. It's wonderful. I know the church is not in a building. The church is God's children. But having said that, God's children constantly got together. They found ways to do that. And I began to just, uh, I just began to think about, where in my life have I had moments when I have most experienced a sense of God's presence? Right? I'm not talking about where I hear the words necessarily, but, but where I, I, I really felt God near. Uh, and it took me back to some childhood memories. It took me back to camps. It took me back to a mission trip. It took me back to uh retreats that I was on. You know there was one retreat in particular that I haven't thought about for a long time As I just was pondering the moments where God transcended his deity and and really impacted my life. just a real sense of his presence and and I remember I was at a uh I was at a it was Ipperwash beach actually uh, uh, that's April uh, the um, near uh, the other side of Exeter, where on Port Huron uh, we would have a number. We actually rented out an entire campground, the church, and we would go there for retreats. And we were at a evening. We were on the beach. We had a campfire. We had lit up a big fire, and a bunch of us gathered around. There was probably thirty some of us sitting around this campfire, guitars in hand, worshiping the Lord. Uh, actually, we were worshiping so loudly on the beach. It was right at the time back in, if you remember, some of you may in the late nineties where there was a big, um, there was a shooting. A police officer had shot a, um, uh, uh somebody from one of the, uh, reserves nearby at uh, the Iprawash provincial park and had killed them. And so there was a lot of uprising. And when we were worshiping on that particular day, uh, one of our youth who was one of our drummers got excited. He picked up a garbage can, you know, those steel ones and started playing drums on the lid but that sounded like gunshots to the police. So right in the middle of our worship time, we were invaded by undercover cops. Uh, They came in and and I thought, you know, this is persecution, praise God. But no, they just thought there were shots taking place because we were like one kilometer from where the actual uh, event had taken place. And there was a lot of uprising and and houses looted and vehicles burnt and a lot of threats. And so they They thought we were some sort of a commune taking place. And so anyway, we got past all that. But here was a song that we were singing. And I remembered it just again last night. Maybe you know it. Um, As I come into your presence, past the gates of praise and to your sanctuary till we're standing face to face, I look upon your countenance. I see the fullness of your grace. And I can only bow down and say, you are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of all praise. To you, our lives we raise. You're awesome in this place, mighty God. Some of you know that song? If you do, wag your head. I see a few of you still. I haven't yet covered up my screen. So uh, um, that was truly an amazing moment among many. As we were worshiping, singing, singing, under the stars, feeling the breeze, the water was right there, among brothers and sisters experiencing community, as we talked of a bit last week, being carriers, community carriers, and there was a real sense of God's pleasure, real sense of his presence. I invite you, go back, where had you, where have you experienced God's presence? And you don't have to tell me, because I can't hear you anyway, but just do come up with where have you experienced God's presence. It's good to go back and to remember moments and times. And maybe you're listening and you're saying, I I I really don't have one. I I can't really say I have. And so today is Pentecost Sunday. It's celebrated around the world. When I became aware of that just about a week ago, wow, this is this is Pentecost Sunday. I thought, let's take a moment and talk about what that means. We're as a church, Cornerstone Church, we are affiliated with an affiliation in Canada called the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. So there's an affiliation with the Pentecostal, Pentecostal group. So it, it's good to go back and to say, well, what does that mean exactly? To be affiliated with Pentecost, and it's it is nothing elite. There's nothing that sets apart we are the in, they are the out, any of that stuff. I really don't believe that at all. It's just a, it gives a bit of a definition to something that took place a number of years ago. And so thus the names have gone on to the churches that have really believed that uh, there is the working of his spirit, the presence of God. We just sang the song about his presence. And we really believe and we court, there's a good expression, we like to court the presence of God. We don't believe he's just a deity that has set everything in motion and then is an absentee God, we really believe that he continues to interact with us. He cares about his children. And in our worship, we want to express that In in our preaching, in our teaching, in our sharing, in our lives, and how we express ourselves. We really want to express ourselves as a people, if you would, of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And So I thought I would take a moment and just maybe talk about that, because we believe in the Trinity. I dare say that uh, our listeners, watchers today, believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We talk of that. Our Father, who is him who has uh, set all things in place. He is the maker of all things. It's him to whom we pray, our Father who art in heaven. And then the Son, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our Savior. He's my Lord. And the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit sometimes gets bad press. He doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Scripture refers to him as a person of the Holy Spirit. Not that there are three gods, but the nature of God has these three aspects of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, really, I began to just think, he is the interface of God to us. Uh, He's our comforter, the Bible says he's he's our counselor he convicts us of the things that we need to be convicted of and he convinces us of the things particularly the word of god and his moving of the spirit the holy spirit so can i just today for the next few minutes i want to talk about that because today is the day of pentecost around the world what does it mean on the day of pentecost well i want to start straight up Pentecost is not about speaking in tongues, okay? It's really not. Pentecost is about transformation. But we are transformed from the old to the new. The Holy Spirit transforms us. And And when you read, and hopefully you'll get that this morning, that when the Holy Spirit transforms us, we look different, act different, talk different. We are different. And that is the work that took place in Pentecost. So let me talk about seven things, seven things, or seven ways in which the Holy Spirit transforms you. I'm going to go through these very quickly. By the way, we're going to be having communion right at the end, and so if you have come in late, you missed the announcements, uh, this is going to be a time of communion. So if you have, uh, you know, something to drink, uh, a cracker, a piece of bread, something to eat, we're not talking lunchtime, we're talking a little something as an emblem. And then at the end, we're just going to pray, and we're just going to, as an act of a community of those watchers today, we are going to partake of communion together. So have that because we're going to go right into that. There's not going to be much of a transition. We're going to move right into that. Feel free if you, if you need to grab that um, even in the next few minutes. Seven ways in which the Holy Spirit transforms you. I wrote down seven things. First of all, and again, uh, when you received your email this morning, there was a a spot on there you could click to receive the notes so i'm not going to read the scriptures if you want the scriptures go back click the notes download them look them up i encourage you to do that because i won't take the time for these particular seven scriptures i'll just mention them and then shoot on number one how does in ways in which the holy spirit transforms you number one he will turn your desert into fruitfulness this is found in isaiah 32 and the picture there is i mean think about a wilderness a desert And how when the Holy Spirit comes, it's like the rain, and turns a desert into into fruit, that which you can partake and grow from, and fruit grows. And not only that, but a forest of fruit. Wow. He turns our deserts into fruitfulness. Secondly, the Holy Spirit, another thing he will do is the Holy Spirit will enable you to walk closely with God. Romans 8, 14 talks about being led. You know, we need to be in step with the Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit brings us again. He's the, he's the interface of God. He brings us into that relationship with the Father. Thirdly, you will know God's presence. You will know God's presence. Uh, Ezekiel 39, 29, he says, I'll no longer hide my face from you. His Spirit will reveal God's presence. You just won't know about him. You now can experience him by the, note. it's just not spirit, it's Holy Spirit. As he is a holy God, his Holy Spirit will reveal the presence of God. Fourthly, you will understand God's word. Proverbs speaks of, he says, I will make my words known to you. So you will understand him because of the working of the Holy Spirit. Fifthly, he will help you when you pray. Ephesians 6 talks about praying in the spirit on all occasions he will help you when you pray Romans 8:26 he will help us in our weakness we don't know how we pray he will help us as a matter of fact um, and thank you uh, Lori made mention of the vlogs and Pastor Trish of the vlogs uh, you can go on to them if you haven't uh, feel free invite you to do that uh, you just go onto our website auroracornerstone.ca, and at the at the bottom of the page is a Facebook link or uh, an Instagram link. You can click on either one of those every morning before 9 o'clock. There will be a new vlog, a little four to five-minute teaching. Tomorrow's vlog, just give you a preview, tomorrow's vlog is on Romans chapter 8.26. It's about the Holy Spirit. If we don't know how to pray, don't break out into a sweat. The Holy Spirit will help you. I'm going to be talking about that tomorrow morning in our vlog, so that's on June the 1st. But that's the point. He will help you when you pray. Number six, you'll become a new person. Person and work of the Holy Spirit. As he works in you, you'll become a new person. Ephesians 4 says, put on the new man. So on the inside out, he changes you. and You become a new person. Uh, he just doesn't tweak the old. <laughs> he makes you a different person altogether. And to that, I'm really thankful for And last but not least, number seven, the Holy Spirit will inspire you to worship. Philippians 3, 3, John 4, 24, God is spirit. His worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. He will take you to the place in worship where it will be heaven on earth. There will be times, and not every time, but there will be times as you enter into the place of worship, the Holy Spirit begins to manifest himself in worship, not just an emotional frivolous. But where there is something deeper than that, where the words which you sing, the, the scriptures that you declare, become transcendent. They become more than just words, more than just a song. You know that song that was, came out a number of years ago, where I've given you more than a song, for a song in itself, it's not good enough. We need his spirit. And uh, so that invitation is that he will lead you into the depths of worship that really does go beyond understanding and experience. It's not simply campfire songs not simply good feel good type songs but songs that touch the soul the very inner part of you well let's talk about pentecost for just a moment i wanted to just wrap this last half of what i'm sharing this morning around what it means when we talk about Pentecostal Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. It is celebrated uh, around the world. Jews today in particular have a specific celebration because this is called the Feast of Pentecost. Now, the Feast of Pentecost, just as a little bit of a history lesson here, goes back 3,500 years ago. Now, some of you would have thought, no, it started in the book of Acts chapter two, you know, when suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon them in the upper room. But actually, it predates that by, well, by by a lot of fifteen hundred years. It predates it. You can go right back to the time of Moses, thirty five hundred years ago. Moses, if you remember the story in Exodus, Moses was the uh, really the voice of God to Pharaoh to let God's people go. And after ten horrible plagues. On the 10th plague, it was the plague of, uh, they called it later, the Passover. It was the taking of the firstborn. If blood was not applied to the mantles of the doorposts, then the firstborn would die, both of hu- humans and even of their livestock. And the, uh, the Hebrew people, of course, then put blood on the doorposts according to the prescription, and the death angel passed over but the egyptians did not and there was uh mourning and grief the next day as there was death all over the land and that was the straw that broke the camel's back pharaoh said get out of here and they took the riches of the land and a million plus people left Uh, we know the story they get to the other side they go into the wilderness journeys and it's just a matter of now remembering that that took place on Passover. That called the Passover, the Passover, the death angel passed over. And so that was always referred to and continues to this day as Passover. uh, We think of it as in our celebration of Easter. 50 days after Easter, that brings us to today. So if we go back to April where Easter was, you count up 50 days, you land to today. So you go back 3,500 years ago and where the Passover took place, Fifty days later, Moses is at the top of Mount Sinai, and he has an encounter with God. The rest of the children of Israel are told not to go there because God's presence would be manifest. And in their sin and in their ignorance, uh, you know, a prophet says hills melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Imagine what flesh does. And so God says, listen, Moses, I meet with you. And so for many days, Moses was on the top of the mountains, and, and the people below, when they looked up to the mountain, the mountain was covered in clouds. Uh, God veiled himself, and to them, the voice of God sounded like thunder and flashes of lightning, is what the scripture says in Exodus. But to Moses on top of the mountain, he heard God tangibly speaking to him. Wow, that must have been some experience. And out of that, God gave him what is known as the Torah. Now, we make reference of it as the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses now, he gets a download from God of history that he could not have known, and he begins to put it down, instructions even going forward, and Moses receives the Torah. God spoke to Moses, and so that is the celebration. The celebration and and so they established that day and from there on in they called that the feast of pentecost the feast of pentecost the feast of god has spoken to us and given us his word and the torah of course was given god has spoken to us and given us his word that was pretty tremendous that was an exciting thing no doubt now 1500 years go by all kinds of things take place we read of it in the old testament but when we get to the end of the prophet of malachi there's hundreds of years of silence it's like God's not speaking anymore, even though he did the time of Moses. But like what happened? Something has taken place. You come into the end of Malachi and there's 400 plus years of silence. You don't see any action of the Hebrew people. You see them in, in a place of, of where the revelation and the word of God was not, was not spoken. And then you come to the book of Acts. And when you come to the book of Acts, this begins to talk of the promise, the promise that was given way back, the promise that the Holy Spirit would be poured out, not just on uh, the Levit- Levitical priests or the Kohathites, or you know, at the time of the tabernacle, God would come down on the Day of Atonement, not just then, but he desires to pour out his Spirit in all men, on flesh, on people, not simply the Ark of the Covenant, but upon all people. And the prophecy was being fulfilled in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. You read of it. We go to Acts chapter 1. And my version, when I was looking at the Bible, it says there's a little subheading, and it says the promised baptism in the spirit. And Jesus' final commission to the followers before he ascends. And I'm going to just read it Acts chapter 1, verse 4. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel or kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But, verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and around the world. Did you get that? This was right before Jesus ascends, and then right after that, he ascends into heaven. He says, but before I ascend, he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit, and you're going to receive power. You're going to be able to do the things that you've seen me do for the last three years. You're going to be the fulfillment of all these prophecies. He talked about that. So the first thing, he talks about the promise. He says, you will receive power, the promise. And I want to say, we've often, and I just want to give it a theological moment here. Can I just speak into it? Many times we think the church was birthed in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. But really the church was birthed prior to that. If you go back to John chapter 20, verse 21, Again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sin, they will be forgiven. If you do not forgive, it will not be forgiven. But it says he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. This happened prior to Acts chapter 2. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit indwelt, and the church was birthed. But when you get to Acts chapter 2, there's a an immersion of the working of the Holy Spirit, a flood, if you would. That's the picture you have of the word baptism. Now, many of us, many of you have been baptized in water. We know that as a principle in the New Testament to, after salvation, to go to water. And and the idea of baptism actually means be immersed, be immersed, uh, be covered in. And so we practice baptism through going into the waters. We go down into the waters, and we come up, and Jesus practiced that. He was baptized by John in the early church. They baptized through immersion. And the and the same word is used of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, but may the Holy Spirit overflow in your life. Same Holy Spirit. It's not a different... But may he take over. May our lives be immersed in him. Baptized. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. So Pentecost means 50 days after Passover. When Moses, after the Passover, 50 days later, Mount Sinai, God spoke to them. The people said, we're going to call that Feast of Pentecost. They've been celebrating it ever since. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. When you get to Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came. What does that mean? When the day of the Feast of Pentecost came. People came from all over to the city of Jerusalem. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, if you were to ask them that day, why are you there? They were there for two fundamental reasons. Number one, it was because it was the Feast of Pentecost. Number two, it was because it was the Feast of Harvest. It was also used as the harvest came in at the same time. I'm going to continue reading. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The same picture. Picture from 1,500 years earlier on the mountain. God spoke. God's revealing himself to us. 1,500 years later, on the day of Pentecost, to these 120 in that room, God began to speak to them. Began to, as it says here, they saw what were tongues of fire, similar to Mount Sinai. They looked and they saw flashes of lightning. It looked like fire to them. And that sounded like thunder. Didn't make sense. It was actually the voice of God, but it didn't make sense to them at the bottom of the mountain. Here you have on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after after the Passover. Here you have on the Feast of Pentecost, everybody's around, it happens again. But this is a great event. This is a significant event. It says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues uh, a God language as the Spirit enabled them. What a picture. A picture that we have if... If you continue to follow chapter two through, Peter gets up and he begins to explain what took place because everybody's in confusion going, well, oh, there's the language they're speaking in unknown tongues and we don't understand these unknown tongues. So Peter gets up and he begins to explain it and he goes back and he talks about the Feast of Harvest, the Feast of Pentecost, and how this was promised by God in the book of Joel that there would be a great outpouring. And he says, this is that. This is that. And he makes reference back to the Feast of Pentecost. So that's Pentecost Sunday. It commemorates 3,500 years ago, where it happened on Mount Sinai. God spoke. Then there was a lot of things took place. It seemed like God was silent. Until in Acts chapter 2, God spoke again. But in this time, he poured his Holy Spirit, the overflowing baptism, into those who received that day. And they spoke in tongues. There was an evidence of tongues. Some have said, well, tongues were given at that moment and were meant to stop. But there was never any indication that they were meant to stop on that day. As a matter of fact, you go through Acts chapter 10, you see years later, tongues were still in exercise. Acts 19, tongues were still being exercised. And today, uh, May 31, 2020, the gift of tongues is still being exercised. And that's what we commemorate. As Pentecostals, we commemorate not only the power of the Holy Spirit, but the transformation that the gift is given, not simply to speak in another language, because it profits us nothing, but that there would be that boldness, that empowerment, that the message of Christ would go around the world. And we have seen that. We have seen that gloriously in our day, how God has poured out his Spirit um, around the world. I uh, pulled off my shelf a book that I purchased a number of years ago. Back in the beginning of last century, about 100 and over 110 years ago, uh, there was such a cry amongst people. Oh, God, it seems like it's been a long time since your Spirit has spoken to us. As they began to read through the early New Testament church where the Spirit was alive, in miracles and signs and wonders, they were saying, where are you, God? How come you do not manifest yourself in the same way? And there was a crying out. There was a crying. Out. It was a day of crying out to God. And in that day, there were those, there was a renewal of, if you would, Pentecost, just where God began to pour out his spirit and signs and wonders. And you may heard of the Sousa Street Revival took place in Los Angeles. And... It's actually it was called the Apostolic Faith Gospel Mission, and, and during that time, I don't know if you can see this, but I, pr- I picked up the newspaper. Out of that, for two years, they, they sent out a monthly uh, clip of the news happenings of what took place as the Spirit of God began to be poured out again, and I picked up this, the you know, Susa Street Papers, uh, the newspaper. It happened for two years, and then uh, around the world, God began to do great and wonderful things. My prayer is this, in the moment we're going to gather around communion time, that maybe today you are joining with me saying, God, pour out your spirit afresh. We need it in our day. We need it in our times. I need your Holy Spirit. I need those things we talked of, the seven things of how he transformed. God, pour out your spirit again in my life. I am dry. I am thirsty. But out of that thirst, let's project that to the right direction, that God would pour out his spirit again. Amen. Well, let's gather around communion. I'm going to uh, invite you, to, if you have your emblems, to take your emblems. And we're going to partake of these together this morning in commemoration of the promise of God the early church not only did Jesus breathe upon them his spirit and his spirit dwelt those who repented of their sins and asked for forgiveness that he was faithful that he cleansed them and his spirit dwells inside those who are followers of Christ but that he also says listen believe me to receive the fullness of my spirit Hunger and thirst for those things, and in just a few moments we're going to partake of that. But I want to—I want to take us back. And the scripture I'm going to read is the scripture that Peter made reference to two thousand years ago on the day of Pentecost. He went back to Joel, and he quoted Joel. I'm going to do that. I'm going to—I'm going to talk about what Peter talked about because I thought, well, that's a good place for us to be today on this day of Pentecost. What was Peter referring to? And he's referring to Joel's prophecy in Joel chapter 2. I'm going to read it. So Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Twenty-eight. Here it is. And afterward. Okay, I'm going to pause here just to explain the afterward. Afterward, Joel has just talked about in the day of great trial. It's the day he talked about the locusts coming in and, and devouring everything. And He was actually talking of a specific time this would take place, that they would be overcome with the plague and they would be devastated. He was talking of a specific time. But as typical to the prophets, he was also referring to a coming event as well. He was referring to there would be a day where there would be, a, in a time of dryness, there would be a great outpouring of God's spirit. Now, we know that took place in the book of Acts. But it was meant not to stop in the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, I know somebody who said, we need to have Acts chapter 29. We're Acts 29, which means if you look at the book of Acts, it stops in chapter 28. But really, Acts chapter 29 is us. It's the continuation of his church, the continuation of his spirit at work in us. And so going back to Joel, the prophecy comes at a time where they were they were being devastated. And Joel was saying, listen, if you would cry out to God, if you would pray, if you would fast, if you would humble yourself and turn back to God, here's what he promises you. And I was thinking, God, that promise still stands, doesn't it? Here it is. Here's the promise. Verse 28, Joel 2, 28. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved from Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. There will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. He will pour out His Spirit upon all the earth. When we partake of these emblems, here's what I invite you to do today. When we partake of these emblems as an act of hunger, as an act of prayer, that we would submit ourselves maybe as a new day. Again last night when I was just walking through the empty building, dusty empty building. My heart was stirred, oh God, pour out your spirit again in our day. May there be a great moving of your holy spirit. We need your holy spirit. We need your holy spirit in the time. Hey, what have we been seeing on the news lately? This this uh, discrimination and racism and and then up up uprising of of discontentment around the world in a time of COVID-19 and all these things that just are unprecedented and yet shouldn't surprise us. As a matter of fact, it's a great opportunity for you and I to call on his name, to humble ourselves, even take times to fast and pray. As Joel the prophet said, if you fast and pray, if you call on my name, I will pour out my spirit again. That's my prayer. So when we partake of these, would you join with me in that prayer? And then following this morning, as we're just going to be bringing it to a close in just about one or two minutes. Following this morning, would you follow through on this? I know you're sitting in your living room or I saw somebody driving down the road here a moment ago. I I hope you're driving safely. Um, Wherever you are right now, but would you, if, if this resonates in your spirit. God, we really do need a new outpouring of your Holy Spirit. I need an outpouring in my life. My life is dry. My life is needs that renewed empowerment of your spirit again. You know, if we ask, we will receive. I invite you to do that. So maybe later today, maybe later tonight, maybe tomorrow morning, get up a little earlier. You just spent, oh God, I hunger for you. And we maybe dig into the early words of acts and the early words of of, or the words of jesus where he talks of his spirit and that we begin to believe god for a new and fresh outpouring and it starts with me starts in my life starts in your life don't wait for someone else don't wait for the church don't wait for he pours out his spirit into individuals and then out of that we're empowered the purpose of pentecost is that we would be transformed empowered to do his work around the world but it starts with me. It starts with the people around me and then to others. So Father in heaven, as we join our hearts together today, we take these emblems, not only in remembrance of you, but we take these emblems with a hunger in our hearts, with a dissatisfaction in our souls. We thank you, God, for the gift of salvation. But God, we live in a very troublesome time. And this world needs Jesus. This world needs to know you. And Lord, when we turn our backs on you, evil prevails. So Lord, we pray, start with me, start with us. And when we partake of this, we are in essence saying, I partake of this that your spirit would empower me to make a difference. And so Lord, maybe that means just really pressing through this next week. Maybe there's things we just have to stop doing in order for us to be open and receptive to your spirit to do great things. Maybe he can't because our lives are too much filled with other things. And so, Lord, as we partake of this, may your spirit be poured out afresh. I pray, I pray upon every person watching and listening to this, that your Holy Spirit would be poured out fresh this day. Let it be. And, Lord, may this not be a one moment moment a time in in you know on pentecost sunday may thirty first twenty twenty may this be the marking of a new day a new start as was the day of pentecost it was a new beginning may today be a fresh new beginning for everyone today we pray this in jesus name and if that's your prayer just would you whisper amen if that's your prayer let's partake together of the bread and in the same way. Let's partake together of the cup. May the Holy Spirit be your guide and strength. May he comfort and counsel you. May he convict you of the truths of God. May he convince you of the reality and the power that is at work in us who are Christ in Christ Jesus. May blessings be upon you on this Pentecost Sunday and this day forward. May he pour out his spirit again, starting with us, that God would manifest himself in this day. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.